No problem. All right. Good morning. How is everyone this morning? You happy to be here? I'm excited that you're here, and uh, I'm excited that we have the opportunity to be able to meet again. And uh, I got a couple phone calls yesterday. Did you hear what Premier Ford said? No, I didn't. So I had to go find out. And then I was like, we're really worried because like, we've ordered everything already. We've got it all set up. And then he said, churches are exempt. And I was, praise the Lord. So we have the opportunity that we get to go out there and continue our revision night. I'm excited about it. I hope you're excited about it. And I hope you'll be involved in everything that you possibly can be. Take your Bibles with me this morning. Go to Ezra chapter 1 again. Ezra chapter 1. Ezra chapter 1. I uh, recently, in the last couple of years, I read a book entitled Follow Me, and it was about discipleship and how Jesus called people to be his disciple and what that meant, what that meant and what it involved and all of the things that it was uh, entailed with becoming a disciple. And the author of the book began to write and, and talk about many of the people outside of North America that realize what it means to be a disciple. The disciple of Jesus Christ meant leaving father and mother. The disciple of Jesus Christ meant going and leaving their homes and walking and following Jesus wherever he went. The interesting thing about other parts of the world, such as Muslims or uh, even East Indian, is that to convert to Christianity, they must lose much. Often reminded of our missionary Josh and Julie Mead, who uh, were able to lead a Muslim man to Christ. And the stories that they have in regards to how he was beaten by his family, how he's locked in a room. Listen, there is a cost to discipleship. And there is a cost, if you will, to rebuild. That's the title of this morning's sermon, is The Cost to Rebuild. Whatever is worth doing at all is worth doing well. Whatever is worth doing at all is worth doing well. That comes from Philip Stanhope. He's the fourth Earl of Chesterfield. Sounds so uh, ritzy, doesn't it? But he said, whatever is worth doing at all is worth doing well. And I want to add to that. Whatever is worth doing well is going to cost you something. If you are going to do something well, it's going to cost you something. Far too often we have this idea that we can have the greatest and nicest things, but do nothing to get them. That is an idea that permeates our society sometimes. I want the greatest, I want the best of absolutely everything, yet I don't want to pay for it. I want someone to give it to me. We want things to be handed to us on a silver platter. We think we deserve it. Look at all the things that I've done, and I deserve to have this, or I deserve to have that, and we have all of these things that permeate our society. Some of us would even think, I shouldn't have to put forth this much effort in order to enjoy the things of life. It shouldn't be this hard. It should be easier than this. The longer we think this, the longer this idea permeates our minds, the longer we allow this idea to constantly be there, the longer our temple lays in ruin. You understand that, right? 
The longer we think, well, somebody ought to give this to me. I don't want to work this hard. It should be easier than this. Listen, the longer our temple, the temple of the Holy Ghost, lies in ruin. Because when we have that mindset, we have a mindset of we are not going to do anything to build our temple. We want someone else to do it. In order to rebuild your life, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. David knew this principle to be true. David knew it, and David, a man after God's own heart, knew that it was going to be cost him when coming to offer sacrifices to the Lord. He was coming to get the Ark of the Covenant because they had actually brought the Ark of the Covenant. They had brought it from the Philistines, and they had done it the wrong way. They had put it on the back of a cart, and it began to fall. A man reached out and tried to stop it, and the Lord instantly killed him. And they ended up bringing it to the threshing floor of Arana. And Arana comes and David says, I want to buy this piece off of you. I want to buy the threshing floor off you that we may sacrifice to the Lord God and get the Ark of the Covenant and take it back to Jerusalem. Arana says, no, no, I'll give it to you for free. You're my king. This is my God. I want to give it to you for free. And David said in 2 Samuel 24, 24, Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. He said, there is no way I'm going to offer anything to my God that I did not pay for. It's going to cost you something. Rebuilding our lives on the principles of God and his word are going to cost us something. This is true with anything. If you are going to get into shape, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you energy at the very least. In order to rebuild muscle, in order to get in shape, it's going to cost you something. Listen, you can go through this entire thing. You can go through just about anything. Anything that is worth doing at all is worth doing well. And anything worth doing well is going to cost you something. It's going to. Buildings have costs. And building has costs. I was talking to a gentleman yesterday that talked about building his house and how much it costs. He said, the, uh, if, if I was to build the same house today, he said, just the wood alone would cost me another $40,000. It's because of the times we're in. I thought, oh my goodness. That is a ton of money. Listen, building costs. Luke chapter 14, verse 28, the Bible says this, look at this. For which of you, intending to build a tower, intending has the idea of desire, desire to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether you have sufficient to finish it. Listen, if you are intending to build a tower, you begin to want to build a tower, you go into, into a building program, you are wise to sit down and count the cost. Make sure you have sufficient enough to put into it that you can finish it. You don't want to get halfway through it. It's going to cost you. It is a part of the process to sit down, figure out what the cost is going to be. Make sure you have enough. Make sure you're uh, 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 able to finish it. The children of Israel, here in Ezra chapter 1, are at a critical point. Cyrus, the king of Persia, has 
had his heart stirred by the Lord to rebuild the temple of the living God in Jerusalem. Need is there. It has been lying in ruin for over 50 years. He has now has some people that have a desire to go and make sure the job gets done. Just because you have a desire and just because you see the need doesn't mean it's not going to cost you anything. It's going to cost. Look at Ezra chapter 1, verse 3. We've read this verse multiple times. Let's continue on from here. The Bible said, Who is there among you all, all his people? His God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God which is in Jerusalem. Whosoever remaineth in any place where he sojourneth, let the men of his place help him with silver and with gold and with goods and with beasts beside the free will offering for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. Then rose up the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and the Levites with all them whose spirit God hath raised to go up to build the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem. And all they that were about them strengthened their hands with vessels of silver, with gold, with goods, and with beasts, and with precious things, beside all that was willingly offered. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll jump right into this. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here this morning. Thank you so much for the opportunity to study your word and to look at it. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to rebuild our lives on you. I pray that today we would look at this and we would look at the cost. Father, it costs you so much to even give us the opportunity. We thank you for dying on the cross for our sins that we could establish our lives based and founded upon you. Father, we thank you so much for it. In Jesus' name, amen. The book of Ezra here, the beginning, shows us that it cost a lot for a great deal, almost 40,000 people, over 40,000 people, to leave Persia and go back to Jerusalem. There was a free will offering. We have no idea how much funds was raised in a free will offering. If it was anything like a Baptist church, probably not very much. So they began to raise funds, and then on top of that, other people gave them silver, gold, goods, beasts, and uh, all kinds of different things that they gave. They gave over and above the free will offering. Rebuilding the temple of God was not going to be a cheap endeavor. It was going to take a lot of time. It was going to take a lot of energy. It was going to take a lot of money in order to get the job done. However, there is one word that comes to my mind with all of this cost. All of this cost, you see, you, I mean, the numbers just start adding up and you just go, oh my goodness, how in the world can we ever put this much money out? There's one word that comes to mind and that word is simply this, investment. Investment. Many of you are okay with buying a dollars $500,000 house because it's an investment. When you think about how much money that is, that is a ton of money. That is a crazy amount of money. I can't even imagine that amount of money, yet every day people are buying houses for those amounts of money. Why? Because it's an investment. Investment. 
the people who were going to build the temple, they were making an investment. They were leaving their homes. They were leaving their lives. They were investing themselves into rebuilding. The people who gave the money to the other people who were going made an investment. They invested in the building of the temple. Rebuilding takes investment. Rebuilding takes an investment. Most of us look at rebuilding our lives in the wrong way. Most of us look at rebuilding our lives in a way something similar to a quick fix. Duct tape and bungee cords, right? That, well, we'll just slap some duct tape on it and that'll fix it. No, no, no. There's going to be times where you have to invest in a replacement. You have to replace that. You can't just put a Band-Aid over it. If, you're, if you have a car and you, uh, your muffler's going, listen, you can, you can put duct tape on it if you want, but that's not going to last very long. You actually need to cut it off and replace it. And listen, there's going to be times where you look at your home and you're going to go, man, the shingles really need to be done. And what do you do? A lot of people just put shingles over top of it. Really, all you should be doing is stripping that down to bare wood and replacing the shingles. Listen, there are times in your life you have to invest. Sometimes there's no quick fix. Sometimes there's no, uh, let me just pray a little bit more and my life will be better. I mean, if I just go to church this week, my, my life will be completely fixed. Next week I won't be here. The following week after that I won't be here. Listen, I just want a quick fix. Those quick fixes are just purchases. Purchases. Listen, you can go out and purchase food today. You can go out and purchase all kinds. Those are just purchases, though. They're not investments. An investment lays a foundation to help you grow exponentially. An investment lays a foundation for you to grow exponentially. Listen, if you just want to grow like just a little bit, then just start making purchases. Just do quick fixes. Listen, it's great to pray more. It's great to come to church. It's great to do those things. But if you're rebuilding your life on Jesus Christ, you must decide to make an investment. Don't start looking for quick fix solutions. It's not going to help. Not completely rebuilding. You're in the habit of writing things down. Write this down. Look to invest so you can progress. Look to invest so that you can progress. Most of us don't look to invest. That costs too much money. That costs too much time. That costs too much energy. That costs too much. We do this all the time with products around the house. We buy uh, cheap things because they're cheap. My father-in-law used to tell me, I'm too poor to buy cheap things. I thought that was great advice. We were, when we first moved into our house, we had to buy a new furnace. It quit in February, the first February we had it. And so I called him. I said, hey, I don't know what you think. What should I do? He's been in the home renovation business. I you know, asked him for some advice. And, and that's when he told me, I'm too poor to buy cheap things. I thought, that's good advice. I want to put some money into this furnace and make an investment Something that will not last us five years, but will last us ten or more. Or, I mean, now they, again, I understand they don't make furnaces like they used to. 
I want you to understand that we need to make investment. If I'm, I need to be looking to invest. I need to, instead of looking to purchase and make quick fixes, I need to look to invest. That needs to be my mindset. I spent 10 years working on my uncle's farm. I loved it. Beef cattle. But I remember during planting season, my uncle would buy thousands of dollars worth of corn seed. It would have hundreds of bags, pallets upon pallets of bags of corn. You know the crazy thing about my uncle, though? Is he took all of that seed and he just threw it in the dirt. Crazy, right? Thousands and thousands of dollars just to throw it in the dirt. And guess what else he did? He just left it there for months. Didn't do anything with it. Just left it there. He, he, he didn't want to do anything with it. Listen, he had, he had all the corn he could ever want. You boil that stuff up and I'm sure it would taste really good, right? Well, the fact of the matter is this. He invested. He invested. He spent thousands of dollars buying corn just to put it in the ground. You see, he wasn't just purchasing corn. He was investing corn. He was putting it into the ground and he would leave it there for an entire season. He would plant millions and millions of seeds and yet that would yield millions upon millions more. By the end of the season, he was making money. That's investment. I want you to turn over with me. Keep your finger here. Galatians chapter 7. Excuse me, Galatians chapter 6. Verse 7. Galatians chapter 6. In verse 7, the Bible says this, be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Here's the key verse for this message, verse 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. It's going to take a season. We shall reap. Listen, if you're going to rebuild on Christ, it's going to take an investment. And if you invest and invest and invest and invest and invest, you will reap. You will reap what you invest. I want to show you this morning three principles that it takes to invest in rebuilding. Number one, I want you to see it takes surrender. Surrender. The people that gave to the effort of rebuilding the temple had to give their resources to someone else. You see that? Look back in Ezra chapter 1. You can see how they gave to the people. They strengthened their hand, the Bible says in verse 6. All that were about them strengthened their hand. They gave to someone else. They surrendered their resources to the care of someone else. Likewise, the people that were going had to surrender their will to another. I want you to notice again with me here in verse 5. Then rose up the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites with all them whose spirit God had raised. 
You see, God began pricking their hearts and saying, hey, you, I want you to go. Hey, I want you to go and rebuild the temple. I'm giving you the desire. You know what they had to do? They had to surrender their will to another. They had to surrender what they wanted to do. They had to give it to God and say, okay, God, you've touched my heart. You've convicted me. This is what I need to do. I must surrender to that. Paul the Apostle had to surrender to this same stirring. The Bible says in Acts chapter 9 and verse 46, and he, being Paul, fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he, again being Paul, said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. I've been prodding you about this for some time. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? I am now surrendering my will to yours. The Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. You see, the Apostle Paul himself knew what it was to surrender his will to the will of another. You must understand this morning, if you are going to rebuild your life, we must invest. And investments take surrender. I don't think it's any uh, uh, struggle to understand this concept. If you financially invest in something, what are you doing? You're taking your hard-earned money and you're taking it and you're investing it into another company. You're putting it into their hands. You're surrendering your hard-earned money into something else. And guess what? Sometimes you're like, oh boy, I wish I wouldn't have done that. But if you don't invest, you don't multiply your return. We're going to be, rebuild our lives. We must surrender. We must surrender not our money, not our finances, but our hearts to the stirring of God in our lives. We must surrender our hearts to the stirring of God in our lives. Listen, some of you have pushed aside the stirring of God in your life. You've made excuses Maybe you've said, well, that just doesn't make sense for my life right now. That doesn't fit into my plan. And God, I'm sorry, I'll still go to church. I'll still read my Bible. But I'm pushing aside your stirring in my life right now because I don't want to invest in what you want. I have no doubt in my mind that there's probably some people that sit here today that God had stirred your heart to do something for him. And you've pushed it aside. Maybe, God, I'm too old. That's for young people. God, I, I can't do that. I'm not physically able and push it aside. Listen, there's all kinds of different things that God stirs your heart to, but so often we push it aside and say, God, I'm not willing to surrender. And all you've done is you've taken your investment, your resources, and you've just pulled it back. Said, I'm not willing to make the investment. Sometimes you just need to surrender to the will of God. For your life. So we have some young people here today, and I want to encourage you don't ever push the will of God out of your life. Don't ever do it. Listen, when God stirs you, don't think, well, I can't, or what will my friends think, or what will my family think? Don't, don't think about that. 
push it aside and say, listen, God, I just want you. I want you. I want you. I want to build my life upon you. Listen, there's some older people here today. Don't push God aside. When God stirs your heart, listen, Paul was, was living a wonderful life. He was famous. He was uh, really going after his passions. I mean, not all of us look at him and go, what a wicked, vile man. But he was living what he thought to be the best life he could possibly live. And God stopped him in his tracks and said, you need to pay attention here. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. I want you. Paul surrendered everything that day. Gave up his job, gave up his career, gave up everything. Invested his life, surrendered his life. Investments take surrender. Remember, if you are investing, you are investing not only in your future, hear me, you're investing in the future of your children, your grandchildren, generations to come. When you invest, it's a long-term play, not short-term. Investments take surrender, but investments also take number two, take seasons. As I've already discussed, it takes a season for the, the seed to go into the ground before you harvest it, it takes a season. But you see, most of us want to make a change and see an immediate result, don't we? I'm the same way. I want to make one change and see an immediate gross result. I want to see it quickly. I want to pay for my car to be fixed and I want to have no more problems. Ha! I just want one payment very quickly and that be done. Listen, you buy a brand new car. You think, okay, that was my purchase. And it continues to go downhill and you have to pay for things. I want to start working out and I want to lose weight immediately. Also, it doesn't always happen. I want to plant my fields and have corn to harvest the very next day. It doesn't work like that. It takes seasons. Rebuilding your life on God, there are, there are very few immediate results. There are some, I want to be honest with you this morning, there are some immediate results. I've seen people get saved and immediately things begin to change in their lives. It's wonderful to watch. But there are very few of those things. The results are often seen over time, over seasons. Again, when you plant corn, you plant it in early summer. And the typical farmer says, knee high by the... I heard... Knee-high by the 1st of July. There's progress. So you plant it in early summer, and by July you begin to see those things come up, and it's knee-high by then, and by the time you hit September, October, look at the fields, man. They are almost ready to harvest. Right next to BPS, the cornfield is already down. But it takes time. It takes seasons. It takes a lot. You see, there's a lot that can happen to corn in those four to five months. Flooding, wind damage, parasites. I knew a gentleman uh, in the area recently, a couple years ago, that lost his entire corn crop because of a black fungus. Listen, a lot can happen. 
And we get worried about it and we try to uh, micromanage it and say, oh, I have to have this and I have to have that and I gotta make sure this works and make sure that works. And what that does is that, that, that keeps our hands on it and we're not surrendering. It just takes time. You're gonna have to allow it to take time. Again, if you invest money, the best return on investment is not immediate, it's long-term. Long-term investing. When you invest into rebuilding your life, you are going to have to give it some time. I know, I know, I know, I know people that have jumped in with both feet and said, all right, let's go. And they haven't seen the results that they desire. Takes time. Takes a lot of time. You're going to have to give it that time. You realize that you're not going to be super Christian overnight, right? You're not going to become Paul the Apostle or John the Apostle or Peter the Apostle overnight. You're not going to become Abraham or David overnight. Listen, those guys walked through some serious battles, some serious problems, some serious things that they, day after day after day after day after day after day after day just constantly kept working at and kept investing their lives, and kept investing their lives, and they would see a return on that investment, and they'd take that return, and they'd invest it back in, and say, God, I just want to keep investing my life into you, and Abraham, at the end of his life, God says about him, he was the friend of God. It takes investment. It's not going to happen overnight. It takes time. These Jews here in Ezra would not see the fruit of their labor for several years. It took time for them to travel. It took time for them to build, and we'll see that there came some problems in there, and they stopped building for some time. They would not see their return on their investment for several years. Listen, this morning, determine to invest in rebuilding your life with God. Determine just to give it time. Maybe you could say something like, I don't care how long it takes, I'm going to invest. Because I know God. My God will never leave me nor forsake me. And my God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He can return my investment anytime he wants. He can press it down and shake it together and keep it running over. We've seen surrender. We've seen seasons. I want you to see number three. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Again, the people who were left to rebuild had to sacrifice. They had to leave their comfort, their homes, their established lives. They may have had to leave family, friends. They may have had to sacrifice their welfare to go rebuild the temple. Again, not a hard reality to grasp. But if you are going to rebuild your life, you are going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to give up some things. Not only surrender, but you're going to have to give it up. You see, we'll often we'll sacrifice food, time, energy to lose weight. I've seen people eat rice cakes. What is wrong with you? That's disgusting. I've, I, I took one bite of one, and I don't think I've ever had another one. I, I see people eat Brussels sprouts. They're gross. 
I've never met a Brussels sprout that I like. Just to lose weight. That's disgusting. Do you know how good McDonald's is? It's spectacular. Fries are amazing. They Sure, they sit heavy in your stomach and they make you want to throw up. But it tastes good. Chocolate. Man, I'm telling you what. We give up a lot if we want to lose weight. We give up a lot in order to... Uh, Go through all these. Listen, we'll sacrifice going out to eat. We'll sacrifice not buying the latest and greatest and the newest technology to try and get our finances in order. We'll do all kinds of crazy things. We'll sacrifice all kinds of things to have financial freedom or to lose weight or you fill in the blank. But when it comes to God, we say, oh, no, 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 no. We're not sacrificing that. we're going to be re rebuild our lives with God, we're going to have to sacrifice some things. I'm going to take you to Matthew chapter 6. I'm almost finished here. Matthew 6. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Most of you will know this verse. The Bible says this. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Look at what the end of the verse says. And all these things shall be added unto you. All those things that you worry about, all those things that you try to control, all your friends, all your family, all your resources, all your time, all of those things that we fret and worry about and try to control. Listen, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Sacrifice them. Give them to God. Let's, let's go back and see what God will provide for you. Look at verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Hear me. Is not rebuilding your life upon God more than meat and more than raiment? More than this worldly, earthly goods? Is it not? Some of us don't believe that. Some of us don't believe that, that living for God is more than these earthly goods. We think living is having more, especially here in North America. It's not. Look at verse 26. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon, in all his glory, with all that he had, all the money, all the wisdom, everything he had was not arrayed like one of these. Yet I say, or excuse me, wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all of these things. Just give it up. Listen, I know this is way easier said than done. I'm not so naive to think that 
Come on, this is just easy to do. It's not. Especially when you start crunching numbers and especially when you start going, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how I'm going to be able to tithe. I don't know how I'm going to be able to give to missions. I don't know how I'm going to be able to this, that, or the other thing. I don't know how I'm going to be able to go on a mission trip. I don't know how I'm going to be a missionary. I don't know how I'm going to be a a pastor or an evangelist or a preacher. I don't know how I'm going to be able to do that. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added unto you. God will give you what you need. God will provide for you. You say, I'm too scared. God will give you the strength. Sometimes we think that we need to provide for ourselves and make things happen for ourselves. We prioritize those things. But these verses tell us to sacrifice that kind of thinking and give it to God. and Let him add those things as he sees fit. Listen to me. Rebuilding costs. There's no doubt about it. And you need to know that. Because if you want to rebuild, you need to know it's going to cost you something. But not just cost. Think of it as an investment. You will always reap what you sow. So if you sow to your flesh, you're going to reap your flesh. You sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap the Spirit. You always reap what you sow, but you will always reap in proportion to what you sow. So if you just want to put a little bit in, that's all you're going to get out. But if you jump in with both feet and allow God to work in time, you'll see a huge return on your investment. Let me ask you this morning, what investment are you going to make in your life? in the lives of your family, in the lives of your children, the lives of your grandchildren? What investment are you today going to make? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you so much for, again, even giving us the opportunity to have a relationship with you that we can even be talking about this. Father, today there are many of us that need to recommit our lives and reinvest ourselves give our lives back to you so that we can see great things happen we can see a completely rebuilt a completely refurbished temple to honor and to glorify you Father, I pray that this morning we'll make decisions based on that. We pray all these things in your name. I'm going to ask you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed if you would. Now would be the time to take out something to write a, write a decision down or a takeaway. Simply this, this morning, just to make an investment. I'm not asking you to put all the pieces together today. We'll get there. Just decide today to begin making an investment in rebuilding my life with God. Let's go ahead and take that time right now.